Now is the time. Do not adjust your frequency. This is a message from the resistance. Hi, I'm Phil. Hi, I'm Tim. Hi, I'm Riley. And welcome to Organized Fun, the board game podcast, where this week we've got a minisode for you, which I'm tentatively calling the Ancient Game Tomb Challenge. First of all, welcome back both. How are you doing? Doing great. Yeah, real good. Excited to be back on. Good, good, good. Tim, I listened to your most recent movies episode. It was brilliant. One of my favorites. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) It's funny, we've actually had uh, lower listener numbers on that episode than we have on most others. And I, I, I suspect it's because, you know, know people are there to listen to us talk about board games not about movies but we had such a fun time recording it i i I feel bad for the people that don't listen to it they missed it because you put you put a poll on twitter didn't you about whether people prefer listening to the the board game review episodes or the sort of fringe episodes yeah i didn't do it as a a poll but when oh no it was a question though wasn't it right but a lot of people were saying that they preferred the board game review episodes i'm the other way around i think because you know everyone does board game reviews we all do board game reviews but it's the fringe content you know the the other stuff that sort of gets you to show your I don't know your individuality I suppose yeah and usually the special episodes we do like the top 10 lists and stuff like that are usually really popular they generally have a little bit higher numbers but this particular one you know again maybe because it was talking about movies more than just board games has uh, not been as popular it's it's been fine though but you know whatever it was fun for us to do so we'll, we'll we'll come back it was interesting to hear a lot of people comment and say that we do too much fringe stuff I was like that's the only fringe thing that we've ever recorded <laughs> Like everything else we do is board game related. Um, <laughs> well, so. I thought that it was really cool because it also felt like a lot of the games I got a very mini review on, you know, like you were like, there you go. <laughs> this game isn't great, but it would make for an entertaining movie, you know, like, so it still had the aspects of game review in it, I think. Uh, yeah. And Adam was funny in that too. You know, I took mine pretty seriously. Like I was like, yeah, this is going to make a great movie. Oh and Adam's, all he was doing was throwing shade at, at board games. So like he'd make, he'd make <laughs> essentially a terrible movie out of it and be like, this is kind of how the board game plays <laughs> yeah well i loved seth on twitter seth put out those two movie posters oh, for Ten yes i was Mars just gonna mention so those <laughs> they were so good mini driver is also there <laughs> <laughs> she came out of the woodwork <laughs> that is such a good episode spontaneity is key Anyway, on to what I'm sure will be a much less good episode, the context of this. <laughs> so a couple of years ago, we started talking about ancient games, these the games that they dug up in tombs and found remains of. And I was wondering how, you know, when you open a tomb and you just find a random collection of crap and what, what leads to that thought of, oh, this is probably a board game. And then they come up with this whole rules. Like me and Mark have played some games that have been around for thousands and thousands of years. And, you know, just what is that? That leap that you make and obviously I'm sure you know they may have found some rules carved in some rocks or something but there's got to be that initial sort of hey that's a game piece or hey we could we could play this so that's what I decided to do for this week's mini I sent you both a list of random crap that you had uh, theoretically discovered in a tomb and I challenged you to come up with a game idea that would use as many of those components as possible so I guess I will just start by going through the components I did an amazing picture in MS Paint that I sent you both so you got a bit of carved or etched stone with some lines on it, some clay figures slash pieces, some random tokens and counters, sort of like mosaic tile things, some random stuff. There was a, a goblet, some bones and like some string or some rope. And then you were allowed to add two items of your choice with the caveat that remember we're in an ancient tomb. So hopefully none of you have included app support in your ancient games because, you know, that would be anachronistic, wouldn't it? <laughs> Play what you feel. 
Tim, do you want to start us off? Talk us through your ancient game. What did you make out of those components? All right. Well, we, we got really lucky because this bit of carved or etched stone appears to be a dual layer rule sheet. So we were able to <laughs> glean some of the rules off both sides of the sheet. Now, we didn't get all of them, but we were able to, I think, pretty well put together the pieces. Now, this is a really amazing discovery because not only is it a, a, an ancient board game, but we believe this may be the first tabletop dexterity game ever discovered. And in fact, it may also be the first tabletop drinking game ever discovered. Nice. So pretty special here. All right. So here's how we think this works. Now we found this in, in our tomb. There was this old string, this old piece of string, pretty moldy, pretty worn, but we were able to gauge the size of it and, and the material. It was a pretty tough material, so it held up okay. And it looks like what they would do is they would make a circle out of the string in the middle of the table. And each of the players has a has a, has a little clay figure that has a different color. It represents their piece. And what they would have to do is they'd have to toss their piece into the middle of the circle. And if it bounced out, then they're out of that round. They would they would take one of these. There's a couple different types of tokens. We found these little mosaic tokens. Some of them are red. Some of them are blue. The little red ones appear to be negative points. So if you bounce out, you get one of these little negative point tokens. And anyone who is still able to keep their piece in there that round, they take their pieces back and the string gets a little bit smaller. You make it a little bit smaller in size. And you keep doing that until there's only one player left. And that player who's left gets the little blue token. Now, what we think is happening here is that there's a little residue. There's a cup found in our tomb. It's an ancient cup. It has a little residue of this really strong honey wine on it. We think what would happen is that there's a little bit of a catch-up mechanism here because whoever managed to get keep their piece in and get the blue token would have to take a full glass of this, this honey wine. Very strong stuff. Probably made it a little bit harder to hit their target on the next shot. So the players are, are doing this repeatedly until either one player has three of the blue tokens, and this was clearly written in the rule sheet. So that's how I know the, the count here. Or one player has five of the red tokens. Now there's one other item that wasn't on your list that we found in the tomb, and it's an ancient knife, an old rusty serrated knife. But the bones that were in there, the bones that you identified were in this tomb, appear to be human finger bones. And so we believe that if you no. got to five <laughs> negative points, you'd lose a segment of a finger. So high stakes here, but because you were probably drunk by the time you got there, probably didn't even feel it. So it was all in good fit, all in good fun. So that that is what we think is the first dexterity drinking game, tabletop game ever created and uh, really excited to be a part of this discovery. Did it have a name? I, you know, it, not that we know of. Oh. We'll, we'll, yeah, yeah, sorry. I don't have a name for it. That was not clearly written on the rules sheet, the rules tablet. <laughs> as, as it's discoverer, Tim, do you want to give it a name? <laughs> yeah, let's call it let's call it we'll call it oh you know here's a unique one the ring toss how about the ring toss? <laughs> <laughs> nice and isn't it just fascinating how brutal some of these ancient cultures could have been so brutal yeah <laughs> well i'm gonna go next so i surmised that this little chunk of stone was actually part of a much larger board and the lines on it made a made a track and i've called my game chakum which is arabic for chuck so that's a, that's a clue as to what they were doing and i reckon from all my extensive research in this field it was a game played by ancient Egyptian youths as a show of superiority. The winners would have like the right to claim the best food
food, the best dates, the best outfits, whatever, whatever. If you won Sharkum, you were like king of the Egyptian dudes. So the cup stands in the middle of the square board and the etched lines form a track around it from start to finish. And the track is divided into realms representing the different stages, I reckon, of the Egyptian afterlife because they're all about gods and shit, so they loved a bit of that. And players take it in turns to chuck one of the tokens. Now, I noticed, as well as the, the honey wine residue that you found, Tim, I noticed there were quite a lot of like chips and dinks around the ring of the cup. So what they had to do was they take it in turns to throw one of the tokens. And if you get it into the cup, you get to move your piece forward on the track. Or you can go for a sharkum and try and hit one of the other players' little pieces with your token. And if you knock them over, you send them back to the start of whichever realm of the afterlife that they're in. But if you miss them, then they get to move forward as well. So it's sort of like a almost a gamble. You can try and knock them back, but if you fail, you're actually giving them the opportunity to move forward. And that's it. It's the first one to the end wins. Like a lot of those ancient games, it's a simple track one, but instead of rolling a dice or throwing casting sticks, you're trying to hit them with your token. You're trying to score a shakam on them. That's my game. Nice. You will not conform. Now, Riley, you actually made a prototype of your game and you have playtested it with real life people. Tell us about this. I didn't make a prototype. I found it. I found it. Oh, yeah. Sorry. (laughs) My mistake. I'm so lucky. And even luckier was that there just so happened. There's no guesswork here. I know exactly how it's played because it just so happened that a Rodney Smith how to play tablet was right there, (laughs) right in that Pharaoh's tomb. And it was just you know divine intervention so it is called tomb snake and that little piece of a tablet was part of a grid so it just did a bunch of squares kind of like a checkers board but not colored it was just etched and there were different lengths of string so three different lengths of string in three different or in four different colors and then they had nine gems and in the oh i got a plane crossing that's pretty loud probably just go with it (laughs) (laughs) i live by an airport. The ancient people Um, will be looking up thinking, what the hell is that? (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so these nine gems are placed on certain spots on the board that are indicated by like a circle over the intersection. And then there's these little clay figures, different colors that go on each side of the board so that you all have different segments of the board that you're starting at, right? And then you take one piece of string on your turn and you'll snake it from your pawn's intersection to the next to, to any intersection that you can reach. If you end your string on a gem, you get to pick it up and score it. And then it'll be the next person's turn. They place a string from one intersection to any other intersection and you go around and then you'll come back and you've got two different lengths of string left. So then you place another one. This one can't reach as far or it can reach farther. And and so you keep going like that until all of the pieces are picked up, all of the gems in the middle and whoever has the most wins. But oh boy, these little snakes they can be tricky so if you cross over the top of another string then they lose a gem and you have to put the they have to put their gem where their starting piece was and then at the end of the round you'll move your starting piece to the end of your string pick up all your string and that's your new starting point so it's going to be picking up dropping gems back and forth until all of them are gone at the start of the turn so you have to look figure out how to survive 
without losing all your gems too. So Riley, you got a chance to play this. Did you find the game fun? Did you find the game repetitive? Like, What, what was your feeling after playing a game? Uh, <laughs> Daddy Daddy Tim's got the judgment out. He's like, so Riley, how, yeah. was that fun? Was that fun? Because it sounds. <laughs> so the people I played it with, they were like, you know, I didn't think it would be that inter- interesting. How many players did you play with? Three. Okay. And I think three is probably the worst amount to play with. I think four would be ideal because then you've got a lot more, you know, intersecting happen because it ended up just being like one person did their own thing. They got three. Everybody had three, but then somebody had crossed over mine and then they were able to end the round by circling round back to my starting location and take that gem. So it was really, really quick and it was fun though. Like it was surprisingly, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I was like, this is just some crappy old game, right? Like it's not that complicated and it was super easy to teach like because I had the components it was probably even faster than my explanation there and better because I had visual you know components I could show what was happening well did you win I lost I lost (laughs) I had last place because then it ended up being you know I had two because somebody had dropped mine they had four and then the next person had three but I think on a second play we could it would be a lot more interesting because the other person who had gone alone would have been like oh yeah I'm not gonna win by going alone I need to be by other people so that I can make them drop stuff and then pick up their stuff. Otherwise, I'm just going to be in the middle. Nice. You're ready to start mid-maxing that one and and really nail down your opponents next time. Exactly. You know, I have to mention too that so Phil sent over all these, you know, the, the items. He kind of asked us if we wanted to be a part of this and he sent over this list of items. And I think it was like in about 80, 80 seconds later, maybe that Riley <laughs> had said, yeah, I'm done. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was driving my wife to work. Like I was just about to drive my wife to work and I was like, oh no, I can't even write this down. Hopefully I remember this super simple idea. <laughs> Make your own rules. On that note, like what, did you guys have a process like how, how what was your game creation process were you trying to use as many of the bits as possible that looks awesome Sorry, did you I'm get any pictures of it all set up yeah i did Excellent. well just at home i didn't take pictures of the three-player <laughs> game i forgot i i got inspiration by one of the components you had on the sheet that just immediately got in my head and that was the bones was the finger bones yeah <laughs> the, the finger bones i mean they could have been any kind of bones and for so i kind of went through i immediately started thinking through these elaborate ideas of how people would lose bones while they're playing a game and my first idea was that that stone tablet was part of a, a box you'd stick your hand in and there, there's probably a I don't know deadly scorpions in there and uh, you got to <laughs> grab your piece before they get you but, like Flash um, Gordon <laughs> yeah so so uh, you know finally settled on something else that I thought would be a little more fun yeah I really enjoyed that that was a very clever idea of how those bones got there because I was trying to think of like oh you know I'd like to integrate the bones somehow maybe maybe they're like a special piece or something you know but you know that they would be like bird bo- bones or something but but the string is what caught me. And I was like, oh, you don't see very many games. I have never seen any games. But when I went and play tested it, they told me about three other games that use string as like the component. Or like they gave me the idea of doing shoelaces so that on those intersections, it would be like oh, a you peg. Could, like plug them in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so you'd plug it in and then wherever you can plug it in next would be. I was I was shocked to see string still held up in an ancient tome, tomb after all those years. <laughs> yeah. I think, that, I think that material would probably not hold up too well. That's what one of my play testers said they were like oh how did this hold up you know like, <laughs> thousands of years wow. in this wow this is a durable piece of yarn is you know what here's what it, it was mummified mummified string it was in yeah this, there you uh, go you know, <laughs> it's gonna say you saying our, our dick size 
website has been contaminated by modern <laughs> items. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point, though. It could, you know, there's the cloth that they use to make mummies with. So just a little bit of a little strand of that same cloth that holds up just fine, right? I don't Maybe know it's human hair. Oh, well, wouldn't Corks human hair, ha- human hair like decays too, though? <laughs> Doesn't it? I thought it keeps growing once you're dead. Does it? No, because uh, otherwise all the skulls would have hair. Forget that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it holds up longer than the skin does, at least according to every um, Indiana Jones movie where they open a tomb and yeah. there's uh, there's still hair on the skin. <laughs> Which is 100% act. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I can't be expected to know these things. I'm all about the artifact, not the not the bodies, not the biology of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What was your inspiration, Phil? Yeah, well, I don't, because I was the one that obviously made the list of components. So I knew I wanted the cup because I had a vague idea of trying to get stuff in the cup. And then the bones and the string, I was just like, well, I'll, what other random crap can I think of to see if you guys use it? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Did you yeah, cheat? Did you have an idea, like, as you were putting the components together? No. It was like, okay. I knew I wanted I knew I knew wanted a cup. I wanted throwing something into a cup. But other than that, wait, that's basically, maybe I did cheat then, because that's basically all my game was. <laughs> <laughs> was a cup a, com- a required component? No, yeah, it's think, a could be. Well, it's a yeah. on a sheet that said they could be part of the part of the game. Oh, well, if it is required, then it was just the storage device for my cubes and for my gems and pawns and string. <laughs> Early it comes with like a simple lid. Take your turn against oppression. Well, what I will do is I will, when this episode comes out in, I don't know, two weeks, I will put a poll on the Twitter and people can vote for whose ancient game was the best. But you know, when I come to America, we have to play these, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm going to leave off the uh, the losing condition in my game. We'll yeah. <laughs> Unless, yeah. for like a modern, you know how you can buy in like gift shops, you know, modern recreations of the ancient games. Maybe each player just starts with a hand with detachable fingers. <laughs> there you go. And so each time you lose a round, you just lose one of your fake fingers. I'd buy that. Whoever has the most fingers left at the end of the, the, end of the yeah. game wins. Absolutely. So you you start sure you, with do you want to 14. stick with the name 14? <laughs> Right? Because you have like each phone, right? So there's like the one, two, three, three per finger. You have four fingers with three and then two, one finger with two. I promise you this game is not that good. It's worth playing over 14 (laughs) rounds. Yeah, but that's, if you're going to be proper drunk, don't you have to drink a bit, right? No? And the the cost of making, I mean, is it worth spending all this money on an artificial hand just so you can take the bones off? (laughs) Yes. So that is what I will do. Are you sure you want to stick with the name Ring Toss, Tim? because there's probably all sorts of fingering jokes that you could make. You got me on the spot here. I should have thought about this before. Uh, Yeah, that's it. That's what we got. Okay. It's ring toss. Nice. Well, yeah, that brings us to the end. Nice, short, snappy, little mini side. I have been Phil. I've been Tim. And I've been Riley. Do you want and us r- to plug our to, stuff? Oh, you can plug yourself. Yeah, what a selfish bastard. Yeah, go on, plug your stuff. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Where can we find you? What do you do? Blah, blah, blah. I know that all right, we've, all, we've been on this before, but you know, just in case. <laughs> you can't expect your listeners to listen to every episode, though. No. So, just in yeah. case. <laughs> I'm Tim from the Board Game Hot Takes podcast. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts and we're on twitter at bg underscore hot takes our podcast is just about playing a game and immediately giving our impressions of it so yeah check us out and i'm riley from both the board game community show and friend and foe adventure co you can check us out on twitter at riled nerd and then friend and foe adventure co is at ff adventure co that one has phil in it so if you haven't listened to 
it, go listen to it. It's just us playing a tabletop game and I make up a story and they screw it all up. So, you know, whatever. Why write anything? Life is meaningless. And then the board game community show, I interview different people throughout the board game community and have a lot of fun doing that. I think, is this going to come out this Thursday? No, like Thursday after maybe. Okay. Well then my last week, I I don't know who my guest will be that week, but last week will be Nikki Valens, which is the first time I'm telling you to. And so that'll hopefully have been a really fun interview with them because if it's really shit, you'll regret saying this now, won't you? I know. (laughs) (laughs) So there we go. There's my exciting deal. Looking forward to it. Cool, cool, cool. Well, thank you both for coming on. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was a lot of fun. It was fun to get to stretch my like design legs again because I haven't done that for so long. And this was so simple to make that it was a confidence booster because it was like, oh, what an easy prototype to make. (laughs) Excellent. Well, I'm glad it helped. I'm glad raiding this ancient tomb has helped you get your creativity back. Yeah, not that it's good, but (laughs) again, they can't all be winners. Well, who knows? What if you win the poll? What if you are king of the ancient games? Yeah, yeah. I'll text out or I'll text out my I'll tweet out my pictures just to incentivize people a little bit. Yes, (laughs) it's going to be hard to compete with cutting out cutting off fingers. (laughs) If I win, everyone gets some free honey wine. Oh, no. (laughs) Bribery, bribery, unethical. Actually, I can't promise that, so never mind. (laughs) Tim, what if, though, let's say I I predict I would be shit at your game and I lose all my fingers. Am I not allowed to play anymore? Or, like, what? How does it work? Can you only play it until you lose? Well, first of all, I think that the numbers uh, that that I put together there indicate that there's not going to be a losing finger in every game because the round can end when somebody wins three rounds. So you just have to be really, really bad at it to lose a finger. And that's the end of the game. Once you lose a finger, you're out. So you're not going to lose them all in one game. So you'd have to lose bad at a lot of games. So I think you got you got a lot of play in there. <laughs> Can you imagine that? What happened to your hands, Grandma? Oh, well, <laughs> well. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can there be like a tagline for this? You know, like there's, uh, I recently was talking about trouble and it's like trouble, the pop-o-matic bubble or trouble with the pop-o-matic bubble, whatever it was. You know, like old things had that. Do you think yours had taglines? Oh my God. You're going to make me be creative on the spot again, Riley. Uh, I know. What, Same with what Phil, was your though. tagline? What was your tagline? I yeah, don't have one either yet. Tomb snake, eat gems and be merry. I don't know. I've got nothing. It's hard. <laughs> Tomb um, snake, serpentine, bitches. I don't know. I'm just going to go for Chuckum. The only way to get a date. <laughs> nice. Ring toss. Risky, but fun. <laughs> Right. Anyway, cool. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for listening, imaginary people. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Normal service will now resume. Good night.